2: What a shot,
0: first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores!
1: Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the Western Hockey League.
0: NCAA.
1: Stay, watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions. The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the MSN Kings.
3: This is William Mack from ULarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the
1: Chicago Steel. This is Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. Hey, it's Stones of the 2 Falls stampede. This is Paul-Bianne I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Colson
0: Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel
2: Blazers. This is Wolfis from Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is The Pipeline Show. The 2022 NHL Draft is done, so bring on the off-season. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thank you to everyone who is returning as a uh, listener. If you're a newcomer to the program, then welcome aboard the uh, show. Let me know how you found out about the program and uh, what made you download this week's episode, if this, in fact, is your first uh, time to the Pipeline Show. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Uh, To all those who have signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, thank you very much uh, for that continued support. I really, really appreciate it. A couple of bucks a month, you can get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a weekly episode of the program. Usually you'll get them two or three days before a full episode is released. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is Alberta's best beef jerky, and I dare to say it's the best beef jerky on the planet. Time to get your jerky on? Well, Wilhawk takes orders of any size. There are two locations in Leduc and in Spruce Grove, uh, but they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Check them out at WilhawkBeefJerky.com. Wilhawk is spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Beefjerky.com. Some news and notes to get to. I think the biggest uh, news alert for this week uh, coming from Hockey Canada is they are reopening the investigation into the sexual assault uh, case having to do with uh, members of the 2018 National Junior Team. The press release uh, reads like this. It's a lengthy one, but I'll just uh, single out this particular uh, portion. The investigation continues to be led by an independent third party and will require all players to participate. That is the new part uh, to this, as their investigation before didn't require the players to be involved. It goes on to say those who do not will be banned from all Hockey Canada activities and programs effective immediately. The investigation, once complete, will be referred to an independent adjunctive panel of current and former judges who will determine the appropriate consequences, which may include a lifetime ban from Hockey Canada activity on and off the ice. We, that being Hockey Canada acknowledge the courage of the young woman involved and respect her decision to participate with the investigation in the manner that she chooses. Uh, Rick Westhead from TSN followed up with a tweet that says uh, the, the woman who alleges she was sexually assaulted in 2018 by eight Canadian Hockey League players, including some who were on Canada's World Juniors team, will participate in Hockey Canada's rekindled investigation of the incident. That confirmed by her lawyer. I think all of that is positive. Hopefully not a positive thing for the players who are involved who should be punished severely, in my opinion, and should not represent Canada on the international stage in any way. But that is just my opinion. You can, uh, if you have a different take, you can let me know at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. Also announced uh, earlier this week, Jake Neighbors is taking a pass on the uh, 2022 World Junior Championship The 2.0 version, remember it was cancelled in December after a couple of games. It will be redone in August. Uh, Everybody who played in December seven months ago, eligible to play again. Uh, But as I've said for many, many months, uh, I think the rosters will be very, very different. Uh, Jake Neighbors taking a pass, he says, due to fatigue, uh, and which I certainly understand. He and the Oil Kings playing uh, in the Memorial Cup uh, after a long playoff run. In a long season, a lot of guys banged up. You know, I, I would be surprised if Caden Gooley plays as well. I would be shocked if uh, Sebastian Kosa is back. Guys like Owen Power with NHL camps opening shortly out thereafter. You can make the argument one of two ways. Maybe playing in the World Junior Championship gets guys a head start to play, you know, meaningful games in August to get into NHL training camp. Maybe it gives them a boost. That's one argument, or you could look at it the other way, and if there's a risk involved in playing hockey in August, high competitive hockey like that, you don't want to get injured uh, right before you're starting your pro career. So I'm sure there will be guys who do go back, even as uh, 20-year-olds, but I think there will also be a a lot of players who don't go back again. And really only a couple other notes to pass on, both out of the Western Hockey League. Mark Habscheid has resigned as the head coach of the Prince Albert Raiders as he takes a job overseas. That means there's a new job opening in the Western Hockey League. Might actually be two new jobs as uh, the assistant coach in Seattle, Kyle Hagel, has uh, also stepped back to take on a new hockey opportunity. Not sure if those would be connected or related in any way, but... He'd been on the bench in Seattle for five years, so obviously has a, a pretty good track record there with the T-Birds. And uh, General Manager Curtis Hunt in Prince Albert says a uh, search for a new head coach will begin immediately. All guests, join me, courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room has expanded in Red Deer. Just uh, tweeted out a or retweeted their picture of that. I was there a couple of months ago, but uh, it's uh, twice the size now. Also some new brews to uh, check out, the Copper Italian Pilsner. Great looking can. And if you uh, like the sours, they've got a new one there as well, which they call Dragonfire. It's a dragon fruit kettle sour. Which if you like the sours, might be right up your alley. For all the information you want about Troubled Monk, go to their website, troubledmonk.com slash shop. You can place your order online and pick up either at the taproom in Red Deer or if you're in Edmonton at the the Bountiful Farmer's Market, or in Calgary at the Calgary Farmer's Market. troubledmonkcom shop. This week's guest list is a three guests long. We're going to begin with uh, Steve Clark, the play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs, who have gone through a lot of changes here over the last uh, month or so. New ownership, including a fellow named Wayne Gretzky. New coaching staff, new scouting staff. And one day on June 30th, they made seven trades, seven trades in one day. Significant change for the Niagara Ice Dogs. So Steve Clark is going to tell us uh, what new ownership brings to that franchise and uh, all these changes. Does all of it equal a return to the playoffs for the Ice Dogs? We'll see. From there, a conversation with Fred Harbinson, the general manager and head coach of the Penticton V's, the BCHL champion Penticton V's. And that's nothing new. Five times in the last 15 years, Uh, Fred Harbison's club has captured the crown. We'll talk to him about all of that, and we will close out this week's show with a conversation with uh, Rob Vanstone from the Regina Leader Post. He's been a uh, reporter in that city for a long time, has covered the Pats for a long time. Interesting season here for the Pats coming up. They got the best player his age on the planet, arguably the best teenage player on the planet, But they've only got him for one more year. This is a team that didn't make the playoffs this past season. So what do you do? If you're John Paddock and the Pats, do you go all in this year with Connor Bedard? Or maybe you play a month or two and uh, see how things are going. And could you foresee the Pats actually trading Connor Bedard? Would that be the most benefit uh, for that organization in the long run? Well, that's the question I posed to Rob Vanstone, and he answered it. That'll be in the final guest segment uh, today. So three guests coming up. We'll start with Steve Clark, the TV broadcaster for the Niagara Ice Dogs. He kicks off the show next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Stick around. Oscar strong draw, looking back to Brinkett, fires and scores. There's number 50 on the season for Alex to it. They'll pick up that, puck. it was wired.
3: Hey, it's Alex it from the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves.
2: Backhand
3: scores! Wow, what a goal. Joe
0: Pavelski. Score! And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
1: Champions of the
2: college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
3: Hi, everybody!
2: Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to begin this week's episode as we get into... uh, what is not a very long off-season this year with uh, the NHL draft just wrapping up and uh, we got the Helen Kagretzky Cup coming up and uh, the World Junior Championship 2.0 for the 2022 tournament uh, right after that. And then CHL camps are open and we're off and running again. Well, the Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhawk Beef Jerky, W-I-L-H-A-U-K Beef Jerky dot com. If you're in Western Canada, you're in luck because will send it to you. Any order, any size anywhere in western canada unfortunately my next guest not in western canada he's in ontario steve clark is the tv play-by-play man for the niagara ice dogs at your tv niagara steve welcome back to the pipeline show it's been a while my friend how are you
3: i'm doing well thanks and you're right it has been a, a while since i've been on the show and i'm glad to be back on well, I appreciate
2: you making time in the off season like this, and it's a busy one here already for the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, since the end of the regular season, when the Ice Dogs finished dead last in the OHL, there's been a lot going on, a lot of a flurry of changes uh, in uh, ownership and management, and a lot of trades. Uh, how would you describe this off season for Niagara?
3: I'm not going to say tumultuous because that would indicate something negative. But uh, once you knew that there was an inevitability that, that the Burks were going to sell the Niagara Ice Dogs, and we heard some names out there, and Darren Dedopilar's name was one of those ones out there, I, I would... Uh, Definitely classify um, this offseason as a wide sweeping, I guess, would be the hyphenated work that I would do because it's a completely new identity with the team. And, and that's going to take some getting used to um, the new owner, as a new owner should, is really putting his own stamp and his own authority, and really selling his own brand, really, with this team. So uh, it's going to be a very, very different look for the Niagara Ice Dogs this upcoming season.
2: What's the backstory for those who don't know all the details? What happened? Why there had to be an ownership change?
3: Well, I I mean, the idea of the Ice Dogs being sold wasn't a novel one. There was always rumors and, you know, the the odd tire kicking and things like that. But I think when, you know, the Burke brothers... um, um, who are the sons of the owner, Bill and Denise Burke? Joey is the general manager. Billy is the coach. Uh, got caught with some uh, awfully worded, and that's to an understatement. Um, messages in a group chat that were, uh, you know, disparaging and uh, and and very, you know, very poorly worded. Um, I believe there was kind of like the sense that, well, maybe it's time to get some fresh ownership in move away from the family aspect of the business, get the Burks to sell. 15 years is a long time to be in a region, and they've certainly done way, way, way more good than, than bad, but the, the last part of it left a little bit of a sour taste, and I think that moved the urgency to, to sell the team, and, and that's kind of where you know the, the skids got greased and we were often running towards a potential sale. So certainly the, the Burke brothers getting suspended for, for two years uh, certainly I think played a large role in moving that particular needle forward.
2: Okay. Pronounce the, the last name for me again. Yeah, Dadobalar. Didabolar. All right. It's a, it's a tricky one for me.
3: What's what's his background? He he comes from an a, an insurance background but he also owns the Brantford 99ers uh, tier two junior a team uh, not that far away uh, from here and uh, he had uh, definitely indicated he was interested in purchasing an OHL team at some point and then his name started circulating uh, amongst uh, you know one of the potential interested parties in looking at the Niagara Ice Dogs lots of I's needed to be dotted lots of T's needed to be crossed the uh, process with the Ontario Hockey League is an arduous one to get approved as an owner so he is a guy who has uh, certainly been in hockey and in minor hockey in Brantford he had the Milton Ice Hawks and and then and then basically bought them I think and then moved them to Brantford and had the 99ers there for the last few years and had certainly you know built uh, a pedigree in that area but wanted to kind of I guess move up in the ranks in terms of hockey ownership for the Ontario Hockey League and and saw the Niagara Ice Dogs as really uh, the perfect partner for him. Now, the, the
2: photo of the new ownership in, in the press release, uh, there's three people. It would be Mr. DeDobelar and his wife, and then a pretty familiar fella in Wayne Gretzky. Uh, that has got to be – maybe we're burying the lead a little bit, but that's a pretty big name coming back to uh, the
3: OHL. Yeah, that's who that was in that picture. <laughs> I was trying to place him. Yeah, and you know what? I I'll, I don't see – I feel bad for DeDobelar because um, – of of you know the the publicity that he he gets by adding Wayne Gretzky, but a lot of the articles had Wayne Gretzky is back in the OHL as a minority owner um, rather than Darren Dablar who's putting up most of the capital. But there's nothing mm-hmm. but benefits in, in obviously having a you know Wayne Gretzky's name associated with your franchise, whether it's in a minority capacity or or what and what his role will be going forward, whether it's just to be the silent minority partner or whether he'll pop up from time to time for publicity reasons, have any say in hockey operations um, and things like. That it re- remains to be seen, but uh, hey, you know what? It it worked out. Um there was a relationship there, obviously, the 99ers. Um, we know who that team is, is named after. There was a relationship between uh, Darren Dadaupilar and, and Wayne Gretzky through uh, a mutual acquaintance, and he was able to bring him on board as a minority owner. And, and I said that's that's nothing but good for the Niagara Ice Dogs, and there's nothing but good for the Ontario Hockey League.
2: Oh, I agree completely. Uh, Steve Clark is my guest. He's the TV play-by-play man uh, for the Niagara Ice Dogs on your TV, Niagara. Uh, Now, I was looking at the the social media response to this, and it seems like it's all generally uh, fairly positive. Some people are saying, okay, the uh, Ice Dogs are going to be in Brantford in a couple of years. Any concern about relocation? I don't. with new ownership, maybe that is an issue. I don't know, but it seems like geographically that they're in a good spot where
3: they are. Here, here's something for, for those of you who, uh, your listeners in Western Canada, who may not be as familiar with with this region and, and how it is in hockey. Um, the Niagara Ice Dogs have an arena that is less than 10 years old. It seats 5,300 people. It's got all the amenities of a modern arena, and it's done something that every team wants. It's captured the casual fan mm. and made it a night out. It's revitalized the downtown. It's done everything that you want in a new arena. Turn to Brantford, they have the Brantford Civic Center, which basically the Brantford Alexanders played in in the mid-80s, and that's the arena. Mm -hmm. So you compare the two, and there is no comparison, and the best line came from Darren Dadaubalar himself when he appeared on um, the Niagara Sports Report, a local radio show here in town. He basically said, I'd be an idiot to move the team (laughs) because it makes zero business sense to even entertain moving this team from Niagara, where they have built, despite on the ice, uh, hasn't been that great the last couple of years, but they have built such a great thing in Niagara with the arena around the downtown. Darren Dadaubilar is a smart businessman. He knows exactly what he's getting in Niagara, and he likes it.
2: Well, not just the ownership changes, but sweeping changes uh, everywhere else as well uh, behind the bench. We've got a new head coach and Daniel Fitzgerald and uh, new assistant GMs, new uh, head scout as well, Adam Henrik, uh, who's... Uh, a former OHL, a former NHLer as well. Maybe what do we know about uh, the, the
3: head coach, Daniel Fitzgerald? Um, A guy, he came from Brantford. Um, He was coaching with the the 99ers. Um, He's a guy who is a relatively young guy, but he's got a lot of pedigree at the Tier 2 level and is very experienced. He does have some Niagara ties because he did coach uh, the Junior B team, the St. Catharines Falcons, and coached them to an outstanding record the one year that he was here. Um, So he's been involved at all levels of hockey, but mainly in in coaching Tier 2 the last uh, five or six years. Um, You listen to him. He's a smart man. He's an articulate man. I believe he's got an MBA. Um, he's He's got lots of skin in the game in terms of hockey for a young coach. So I'm excited to see what he can bring. I mean, I know a lot of people, and myself included, were wondering, well, maybe you we should go with some OHL experience. But, you know, I'm willing to give uh, Dan Fitzgerald uh, the, the opportunity to succeed here in Niagara. And everything that I've heard from him would seem to indicate that he was a great choice.
2: Now, all of those changes are just in the last uh, week or so. Uh, but go back to June 30th, and uh, that was a busy day when it comes to uh, uh, the players and on the team. Seven <laughs> trades in one day uh, for the Niagara Ice
3: Dogs. And I guess the people who are making those trades aren't even with the team now, correct? Well, well, the no, the the, the trades were made. Um, uh, Darren Doblar had named himself the general manager, so for the time being, he's handling all the general manager duties. Okay, and it was it was funny because I was on a radio show the day before all this happened, and it was kind of like this, you know, around the time we were waiting for approval of the uh, you know the Ice Dogs ownership, and I was telling the the radio host who I was talking to, you know. There's a trade window opening tomorrow. Maybe that's when we'll hear some news. And I kind of downplayed it. And then all of a sudden, here come all these trades coming down. The seven that you mentioned, tons of draft picks out the door, tons of players in. But the players in are Quality Ontario Hockey League. Players who completely changed the makeup of this team and turned this team from a team that missed the playoffs the last couple of years into a playoff team. And then if, uh, you know, some of the younger guys who really cut their teeth last year continue to progress, it could be a potentially dangerous team. But boy, what a splash to make. Making significant trades, getting two guys from Windsor who went to the OHL final, you know, getting uh, a big assistant captain defenseman from Oshawa, a couple of overagers. It was certainly, a, it wasn't a big splash, it was a cannonball.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And I guess the biggest, at least judging by uh, the number of picks that were given up uh, to pick up uh, Zito Pasquale, it seems like a pretty significant move.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, Detroit Red Wings draft pick. He was drafted in the sixth round uh, by the Red Wings, but but somebody who uh, averaged close to a point a game with Windsor in in the fifty odd games that he played, and then had some playoff experience with that team that went to the final. and And he's somebody who uh, really this it would be his uh, third year in the league. Uh, a guy who's obviously got NHL is an NHL draft pick, um, expensive for sure. I, I'm looking right here. I see what two. Two seconds, couple fourths. I think there's a couple conditional picks in there as well. Um, certainly expensive to get a guy of, of his quality, but a guy who obviously has played on a winner and uh, really can step into a leadership role both on and off the ice with the ice stocks. So but you got to pay a premium for guys like that. You've been yeah. around the league long enough to know that if you want to get a quality player, it's going it to probably cost you some significant draft capital.
2: What else has to happen here for uh, Niagara to, to not just be a playoff team, and maybe it is baby steps, and that's first and foremost get back into the playoffs. But once you're there,
3: you want to make some noise too. Well, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And and right now the Ice Dogs, you know, they have a they have a good looking roster on paper, and but it's the there's also a little bit of a glut on defense right now, and some bodies that may have to move out. But now. You've got to get these five new bodies integrated into the system. You've got a new coach who's got to integrate the holdovers into his system. So team chemistry, I think, is going to be the key issue for the Ice Dogs. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're a team that's not going to get along or anything like that. But they're a team, you know, that needs to... Come together, really get to know each other. There might be some bumps along the road as they familiarize themselves, but then once they hit their stride, they could be a potentially very, very dangerous team. The other thing I just want to mention, too, is that their first round pick, Sam Dickinson, they picked him fourth overall. He's not signed right now, Hmm. and uh, he went to the Chicago uh, Steel developmental camp uh, and played there. Uh, didn't get signed by them. They drafted him very, very late in their draft. But he's one of those cornerstone big defensemen that they really need to look at getting signed. And he was, and Dickinson, I mean, and his agent were kind of taking a wait and see approach and seeing the stability of the ownership and the stability of the Niagara Group before even thinking of making a commitment. So that's the one story to watch for the ice dogs the rest of the way. If they get him aboard, then that's fantastic. If they don't get him aboard, they have two options: they can trade his rights in a certain window and uh, still get a compensation pick back, or they just get the compensation pick back next year.
2: Okay, well we'll watch for that. Maybe that's where uh, you know a phone call from Mister Gretzky can do can work wonders. <laughs> well, it would influence me, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh one thing I always look at with the uh, the OHL especially since uh, Hamilton uh, came back into the league uh, with Belleville moving uh, to Hamilton uh, any talk about realignment to try to uh fix the the cuz geographically it looks weird to have uh, some teams uh, where they are in the conferences
3: Yeah I I I agree and uh and and you know I mean even even Niagara is a little bit misplaced in their division because they get trips to Barry, Sudbury and North Bay mm. uh, on, on a regular basis. It's not a great travel schedule. And, and Hamilton gets plunked in there and then they get lots of it, it's it's weird. They get, uh, you know, Ottawa, Peterborough and other uh, long distance places. Nothing that I've heard. The schedule obviously is, is out and there's been no chatter around that. They do try to correct that with some teams having, I guess, some geographical rivalry. So Niagara and Hamilton actually play six to eight times a year, even though they would normally play like three or four times a year. So that's one thing. Uh, but yeah, they, it's odd. I, I would support some sort of realignment just because I think change is good. And yeah, you're right. Geographically, it does look a little bit odd, but I haven't heard anything that's even remotely on the horizon for the foreseeable future.
2: Well, I know it's a, sort of a, a short off season. Um What do you got planning? Uh, Between now and the start of the regular season,
3: I'm one of those guys who's like very disappointed that the hockey on ice has ended and I'm tenuously (laughs) hanging on to the season and following free agency. And like you, looking forward to the world juniors and the and the Halinka. But you know, uh, the OHL, like all other leagues, with all of the rescheduling and all of the games that were jammed into a a close uh, amount of time, um, it was it was a grind last year, and I only call home games. Right. So, it, but it was a grind having a bunch of games in a short amount of time and a different schedule and a changing schedule. And we're all juggling different things and families and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm happy to take the break during the, you know, the off season to kind of focus and look at all the off ice developments. But I'm pretty excited to get back to the arena, you know, come what September or so when uh, training camps start and, and the games start again, because as I said, you've got a new era that's begun in Niagara and uh, it, it really is exciting to see uh, the new owners who have been very, very bold with their vision and very, very bold with their on and off ice moves and, and see how that vision really kind of uh, develops over the course of the year. So uh, taking it easy right now, but looking forward to the year. Before I let you go
2: with the world junior championship, uh, my, my thought is that the rosters are going to look a lot different uh, for the, the, re- the, 2.0 version of the 2022 World Junior Championship uh, that was here in Edmonton will be again. Uh, I think the rosters are going to look a lot different than they were in December. We've already seen Jake Neighbors has come out and said he's going to skip it uh, this time around. I think he's just the first of, of many changes. I mean, guys like Owen Power, they, they have no reason to come back and play in the World Junior again. I mean, he played in the Olympics, for God's sake.
3: Yeah, it's one thing for NHL teams who who own guys to to let their guys go at Christmas, right, from their junior teams and and play and develop. It's another thing for them to go in August when training camps are upcoming. You know, like you mentioned Jake Neighbors, and that's the big tip off, right? You're right about Owen Power. And I take a look at a guy like Mason McTavish, who's played hither and yonder every single place and has traveled so much over the the past year. You really think Anaheim now wants to risk him getting injured and a little bit burnt out playing in a junior hockey tournament? Uh, Probably. Probably not so yeah it'll it'll definitely be a very very different look for a lot of teams and i do believe nhl teams will have you know a lot more say and a lot more influence on on hockey canada and usa and some of the other teams that are going to be playing in august for sure
2: agreed steve this is great Uh, thanks for uh, catching up here on the pipeline show i look forward to chatting with you again during the regular season always happy to do it let's not wait so long next time That's Steve Clark, TV play-by-play man for the Niagara Ice Dogs on your TV, Niagara. Great rundown on everything that's happened the last few weeks here for the uh, Ice Dogs, who finished at the bottom of the OHL this past season. So nowhere to go but up, and uh, maybe a bit of a rejuvenation there with new ownership and new uh, coaching staff, new scouting staff. Uh, So lots of excitement around the Niagara Ice Dogs. Next up. Uh, we go to the BCHL, the uh, championship run by the Penticton Vs, and uh, general manager and head coach Fred Harbinson. He's, man, he's been there for a decade and a half. He's been on the Pipeline Show a few times, but it's been a while. Let's catch up with Fred Harbinson of the Penticton Vs next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's
0: Tyson Jones from the Penticton Vs.
3: Joseph. And Joe's
2: shooting scores. Tyson Jones does it himself. End to end with two eleven to go. And you're listening to the pipeline show.
3: Are you a U15 or U17 player looking to sharpen up your skills, have fun, and get conditioned for the upcoming hockey season? Let our coaches and players get you ready at the Spruce Grove Saints 4th Annual Hockey School, brought to you by NextGen Transportation. The camp takes place August 22nd to 26th at the Grant Fiorina Arena in Spruce Grove. The camp includes over 10 hours of on- and off-ice training. For more details and to register for the camp, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca today.
2: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
3: The cream. Rise to the top. Oh, yeah.
2: The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, but you can get it anywhere in Western Canada by contacting Trent in Leduc at wilhockbeefjerky.com, W I L H A ukbeefjerky.com uh, all right we're this segment we're going to talk bchl it's been a lot, a while since we had a, a bchl i on who at least wasn't a player uh but fred harbinson from the penticton v's the gm the head coach uh he's been on a few times with us in the past and uh pleased to be joined by him once again now, fred welcome back to the program how are you Yeah, uh, really well thanks for having me back i please i'm pleased to get a chance to speak with you and in the off-season like this, and I don't know about you, but it feels like a, a shorter off-season than normal with, uh, with the way COVID has kind of uh, hampered everything the last couple of years. Uh, I guess you get to enjoy a little bit of time off, but are things starting to feel a little bit norm- more normal for you and for your league? Yeah, I know, a- absolutely. And, and um, you know, it's funny, at our level, uh,
0: where we don't have a draft, I mean, you know, you, you're if you're doing it the right way, you're probably working pretty hard in June anyway, but now, you know, July, a lot of times you can, kind of you know you know sit back a little bit and and uh beginning of august and you get after it again but uh but yeah no it's um it definitely feels there's a different feel i would say um you know people talk about everyone has different stresses in their jobs and a lot of people can uh, probably appreciate this comment the, the last two summers was a different type of stress because you, you, things that you can't control i can handle uh you know hey we need to find a goalie we need to find a defense or whatever it is but <laughs> not knowing if we're going to play or if you're going to have fans, those kind of things were pretty tough. And it's nice to not really have that hanging over us right now.
2: Uh, just out of curiosity, I know owners uh, across junior hockey leagues at that several different levels. I mean, the last couple of years has been, that's been a, a hit to the wallet for sure. Mm-hmm. Things started to turn around in that regard. Like uh, now that you've been able to sell tickets and things like that, uh, getting sure. the fans back in the building, uh, it's great to be playing in front of fans again, but it's also good for the uh, refilling the coffers a bit too, isn't it? Uh,
0: hundred percent. So, you know, that's kind of a multi, you know, multi-pronged uh, answer to, to your question is that, you know, first off, um, having an organization that goes way back in time and, and the different levels of alumni that we had, uh, we had so many alumni that, you know, either played in the National Hockey League or didn't uh, give money back during the pandemic. And, uh, and we did a you know a, an initiative in our locker room where you know they, they basically bought a locker stall and their you know their stats went into the locker and so it was kind of a neat thing and some pretty pretty cool names went in there and, and like I said not everybody that, that that made it in hockey gave money back so that helped and then when you look at uh, getting into this season here um, you know our, our owner you know I, I got to give him a lot of credit Graham Fraser and Sue Fraser they you know they didn't they didn't. Uh, cut anybody off our staff throughout the the, the pod season. Everybody kept their jobs at full, full capacity. And, and I think that really helped us hit the ground running this year when we got back to it. And, you know, the first, you know, almost the whole season with with the exception of a couple of weeks, we were hampered at, you know, cut at 50% capacity, which for us, like we have a big building. So, you know, we, we were okay there. And, but by playoff time, you know, we were filling the building in the finals. We had over 4,000 people a game and, Mm you know, I think um, it definitely helped go on that playoff run to start, you know, filling the, the bank uh, account of back a little bit from what the, the big hit, even though the uh, the alumni gave back, it sure didn't cover everything. And, and you've got to give a lot of credit to our owners. And And I think the bigger piece too is that it gave, I think, our fans confidence that, you know, going back to the rink is something they can do and, and, um, you know, we're seeing that with our ticket sales going into next season.
2: Well, and we're used to seeing the Penticton Visa challenging for the uh, BCHL title. And uh, we're successful in that again this past year. A little different. We don't get to see you at the Centennial Cup anymore. And that's maybe a question more for the league on, on the wipe the BCHL pulled out of the CJHL. But has that changed anything for what you do on a daily basis or even when it comes to recruiting and things like that? Has there been a, a noticeable difference?
0: No, not really. Like... um, you know, I was I, I, ironically like 20 years ago or whatever the heck it was. Now I, I coached in the United, you know, in the USHL, United States Hockey League, when when they, the transition happened from playing in the national tournament to just in the US and just to playing, you know, for the league championship. And it's uh, you know, there's different reasons for it. And like you say, it was quite more for the league to get into. The one benefit that I would say, like just off, you know, when you talk about uh, you know the way things went this year, we were able to you know sort of stretch our season out we have less midweek games because we're not having to go past our league and um we were able to play longer and you know we still went to the end of may but uh you know i think um it didn't hurt you know recruiting what by any means uh we still had to play four best of sevens to win the championship which is what they have to do to, to win a stanley cup and mm-hmm. um so you know i think for years um uh, we've been very fortunate to win the championship and even when I first came to Penticton, when we you know one of the things that was said to me from some of the older coaches is that, you know, that league championship is the one that actually matters the most because those are the guys that you're going against year after year, the, the the traditional rivals, and and so it was a special feeling winning again
2: this year. Yeah, I always uh, liken the even the, the Centennial Cup or the Memorial Cup. That's like dessert after a great meal. You know, it's it's all about the meal. The dessert's nice as well. Exactly. Yeah, the the steak, winning your league championship. That's the that's the meat and potatoes right there. Uh, when it comes to recruiting, your club has always been renowned for getting players from across the country and 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 into the states. I think you had a Russian on the roster this past season. Yeah. Uh, I think when I looked at your roster, I think only five players are actually from BC on your BCHL team. Is that is that a good thing or is that maybe something that uh, are are there some people who say you know what have more BC content?
0: Well, you know, it'd be going different cycles, and you know, two of the BC kids that are coming in this year are actually in in Calgary right now at the under 17, um, camp. And, and, uh, so like, it's it's ironic. It's something that we talked about as a staff that, you know, we got to make sure that we're doing a good job and finding, um, you know, the top BC talent and, and, um, you know, we've had a lot of great BC players over my time here. Um, as far as locals go, like, you know, it's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes you have to get the right ones because it's hard on the family. Sometimes it's a nice experience for a, for a player to go away and, 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 uh, play junior outside his hometown, but um, whenever we get somebody that's, you know, close to, you know, close to Penticton or in the BC area here that uh, the Okanagan area, we'd love to, you know, to try to make them a V.
2: Is it a tough sell sometimes for, uh, to get in guys from outside the province? Uh, I don't know when you're talking to players out of the States, if they know where Penticton is, I, I mean, certainly you can show them pictures and uh, I'm sure you win a lot of, <laughs> you win them over a lot by just telling them uh, how beautiful it is. It's, uh, it's a spectacular part of the world for sure. Uh, but some people might not know anything about Penticton. Uh, how do you go about selling not just the the franchise, but the town?
0: You know, it's it's an interesting you know interesting one. There is you know this team goes back, like you say, the we talk about the senior team in the '50s. You know, winning the '55 World Championship, and then you know you think about the junior team in the '80s with the Knights, and you know the the you know the Panthers. Uh, you know, with with Paul Korea and, and you know Duncan Keith was in that era too, and. So there's there's a lot of history there, but I, honestly it's it's a good question because our two thousand twelve team that uh, that broke all those junior records and and um you know won forty two in a row, like they're getting inducted, they're they're all coming back next week to go in the BC hockey hall of fame. And mm. to be honest with you, from that point on, from that team, I think our brand recognition uh really took off. And and I think probably part of it is the use of social media now. Um, you know, so people are inundated with social media and, and so from that 2012 team on, um, we've gotten a lot of exposure. So in the hockey circles, most people do know um, you know, who we are or what we're about. And uh, I always use the term unique. We're a unique organization in the fact that you've got, you know, this alumni and rich history and tradition to go back in the fifties and sixties. You got a, a facility that's like a little mini NHL rink in a town of twenty eight thousand people and in, in you know the picturesque type town and, and then you got a fan base of you know we're drawing over three thousand fans before the pandemic every night. Um, we we're back to that in the playoffs, you know, getting in that mid threes to four thousand, um, which means that fifteen percent or more you know of your of your population coming every night. So it's a unique setup that we have and and um you know we have an owner that's outstanding puts a lot in the program and gives a big staff for us to work with our players
2: fred harbinson is my guest he's the uh, coach and gm of the uh, penticton v's out of the bchl two years you coached at sioux city in the ushl and then five years in the ncaa as an assistant coach at st cloud state with the huskies and since then it's been what 15 years a decade and a half here with the v's and you've had so much success I'm sure there are opportunities for you elsewhere if you'd like them, but you stay in Penticton. Uh, are you just comfortable spot for you? You talked about the ownership. I mean, it's, it's obviously a nice yeah. place to be. Do you have uh, aspirations to go elsewhere though? Or are you, you good where you are?
0: Um, so when I was younger, I, you know, I moved around. There was a couple you know, I, pl- I coached at Wisconsin Superior Division Three. I coached at Fernie. Junior A team at the time was playing actually in the U.S. League. And then like the teams that you mentioned. And so, you kind of bounce around a little bit and, and I've had plenty of opportunities to leave every, every summer, um, for the most part. And, you know, the the relationship that I've built with my ownership, you know, they, you know, a couple things, I guess, one is, you know, they compensate me like I'm a division one college coach. And then the other side of it is it becomes a point where it becomes more of a legacy piece than, a than, um, you know, a coaching job. Um, you know, like when we, when you look at, uh, you know history where me and Graham are very proud of along with all the other assistants and and volunteers and everybody else that's involved with our you know our front office that have built our organization of what it is today and and so you know there's there's times definitely when i look at and see some of the guys that i coach with that make it to the highest level where you kind of get that excitement of eh, maybe maybe you should have taken a chance or maybe you should take a chance and and then there's days where you go hey you know what you've got it pretty good here and and uh you know, it's a special spot.
2: How much work do you got to do uh, for your roster coming into this, uh, this what will be the, the, the coming season here in 2022-23? Uh, because I know the rosters in at the junior A level certainly is uh, always in flux with guys leaving for college and other guys uh, maybe uh, going uh, to the major junior or guys coming back from major junior. Um, what's your roster look like right now compared to what it's going to be here when camp opens in, what, a month? Yeah, about, yeah, a little over uh, you know a month and a
0: half. So, you know, um, one of the things that we're real proud of is is our consistency, and we've done it in a situation where we have tons of turnover year after year. This year is a different animal where we've actually got 15 players returning, which I think maybe the most we've ever had is like six or seven. Wow. Um, I think there's a combination of, uh, in college, like all our guys go to the NCAA, and, and I think right now, you had, uh, you know, the fifth year senior because of COVID and the portal going on. The guys were getting pushed back a little bit. So most of our guys, almost every one of our guys has a scholarship. Um, but, yeah, we've got 15 returners. So the big thing that we're actually already starting to build for the year after, the 23-24 season, and um, because if I say that we have 15 returning this year, maybe we're probably three or four at most the year after. So mm-hmm. it's uh, – it'll be a, you know, an interesting time over the next, uh, two seasons.
2: Excellent. Well, Fred, I really appreciate your time as always I do miss, uh, seeing the Penticton V's at the Centennial Cup, but was it was a little different for you. I mean, you, you win your, your league title and then that's it. There was nothing after that, or is that satisfactory enough?
0: Uh, no, it was satisfactory. Like I said, four, uh, four rounds of, uh, you know, best of seven and, and, uh, you know, interesting. And now like, it looks like it was an easy run. They, like we, we lose the first game of the class and then win 16 in a row, which nobody had ever done. And, but in each and every one of those games were, you know, like they had their own story to it. There was a lot of games where we were tied going in the third. We found ways to win. Um, it was very satisfying. And, and like I said, you're playing against your traditional rivals, you know, knocking West clone out and, you know, playing against Nanaimo again. It's the third time we played Nanaimo in the, uh, in my time here and seventh all time in the finals. And, and, um, it was some great hockey i think the attendance was outstanding in 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 the playoffs for all the teams which was great to see for our league and um you know and we've had a decent amount of guys drafted in the in the league this year the you know the league um into the nhl and a lot of guys uh, i think we've got 18 guys personally from our team that are at development camps as we speak so you know i think there's a lot of growth in the league um we've come out of probably the worst time ever with the pandemic and i think there's a lot of uh Exciting hockey ahead for the BC Hockey League next year.
2: Now that the BCHL is kind of off on its own, would you ever consider, or would you like to see the BCHL champ play the USHL champ just for fun?
0: Yeah, you know what, I think it's something that they would definitely love to see. And um yeah, you know what, it, uh, you always want to try to, you know, gauge yourself again. You know, people always want to, you know, gauge against the other leagues, and that would be something that would be interesting for sure.
2: Well, Fred, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck uh, this coming season uh, with the Penticton Vs. We'll be watching from afar. You bet. Thanks
0: for having me and uh, have a great summer.
2: That was Fred Harbinson, the longtime head coach and general manager of the uh, Penticton Vs. I would have to think they'd be right up there as the most successful uh, junior A franchise in Canada. I know the, uh, here in the AJHL, the Brooks Bannets, the Spruce Grove Saints, the Penticton right there with those two clubs, I'd have to look up to who's won more national championships and, and things like that over the last uh, 15 years or so, but they're one of the perennial powerhouse favorites, and approved that this past season by winning yet another BCHL title. Next up, we're headed to Regina, and a beat writer Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post, he's going to stop by, and we're going to chat a little off-season uh, Regina Pats hockey talk. What are expectations for that club heading into this coming season with Connor Bedard, the assumed first overall pick for the 2023 draft? And his last season in the whl coming up what are the pats gonna do we'll find out next here on the pipeline show brought to you by willhawk beef jerky drysendorf pushes it past honka to Dragon and he scores completing the hat trick holy hell what a night for the deutsche Hey, I'm Leon Dreisaitl, I'm playing for the Prince Albert Raiders and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: loves Wilhock beef jerky.
1: My husband is
0: an expressive (gasps) fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhock beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhock.
1: Wilhock beef jerky.
2: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Giant turkey is a little over the line, my man. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Final segment for this week's episode, we're going to talk a little WHL hockey. But, of course, a reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. W-I-L-H-A-U-K, turkeycom You can get it anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Trent in Leduc, and they will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere out West at willhawkbeefjerky.com. All right, today we're uh, talking about the Regina Pats, and uh, it should be an interesting offseason, or at least it could be an interesting offseason. they got the best player his age on the planet, and he's only got one year left in the WHL. This is a team that uh, did not make the playoffs of uh, this past season. So what do the Pats do? Well, let's find out. Rob Vanstone from the Regina Leader Post. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Rob. It's been a long time. How are things? I'm a
1: little grayer than the last time I talked to you, but I was still pretty gray back then. Nice to talk to you,
2: All right, well, let's get right to it. And you you heard the setup. Uh, That is the situation the Pats have uh, with Connor Bedard. I mean, the guy who's projected to be the first overall pick in next year's draft, and I don't think there's uh, a whole lot of a drama involved in that he's going to be uh, taken first overall unless something really wild happens between now and then. But this this guy has been in the spotlight forever. He's a fantastic player, an amazing talent. First guy in the WHL to ever be granted exceptional status. But this isn't a playoff team. What do they do? Are they are they all in this year to try to get something done, or could there be a little bit of uh, unexpected activity here?
1: You know, you're the Montreal Canadiens. You're thinking, well, why couldn't we just have had this record a year later? Right. <laughs>
2: you
1: know. I mean, he's the best teenage hockey player in the world. He just doesn't have to be draft eligible yet. So mm-hmm. that's how good he is. And I mean, I don't get as much doubt that he'll go number one next year. There's a little more doubt about uh, what kind of team the Regina Pats will be able to put around him. It was not a good hockey team this year. Uh, they scored enough goals to make the playoffs. They just couldn't keep the puck out of the net. It might just be as simple as, as having uh, better goaltending around him. They, they scored more goals than the I think, three or four teams that made the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. They just they were so bad in their own zone that that undermined a lot of what they were doing and what Connor Bedard was doing offensively so uh i think if they could just have a better system around him better more conscientious be more conscientious in their own zone they could i think they could probably win five or six more games just by stopping the puck and that would put them in a playoff position now are they in a position to go all in it's a bit of an interesting roster composition because Normally, when you're building for a season that's supposed to be the junior hockey, the pinnacle in junior hockey of your marquee player, you're talking about a 19-year-old, as opposed to someone who's not even yet 17.
2: Right,
1: will be 17 by the time the season begins. So it's, and and their 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 best demographic is in the 16, 17, 18-year-old age group. So they they've got a great core coming up. And normal under normal circumstances, you say. You think, okay, by the time Connor Bedard is eighteen or nineteen, this is going to be the crescendo of this uh, of this group. But you're really asking to fast track the development of everybody else to keep pace with Connor Bedard to make the most out of this year. They aren't that strong with the nineteen-year-olds. They they aren't that strong with the twenties, and that's those are generally the difference-making players in junior hockey. And I'm not sure they have enough capital to really bolster that age group without. I guess you can do it, but you would. I think you have such a protracted rebuilding initiative that is it is it worth it?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're counting on a lot to be able to to to
1: make everything work around Conor Bedard to the extent that they can win 40 plus games.
2: And for fans who might be outside the WHL market and don't realize what the situation here is for the Pats, I mean, they were hosting the Memorial Cup a few years back and emptied the tank so they wouldn't be embarrassed as hosts, and it worked. I mean, they had really good Memorial Cup performance. But, I mean, the cupboards were absolutely bare after that for the next two or three years, and that's why they were in a position to get Connor Bedard in the the Bantam draft. Uh, But that also means they don't have a whole lot to work with to try to round out the roster. And, I mean, you mentioned the top young talent that they have. Would they actually sacrifice more of their future by trading some of those top 16, 17-year-olds to get those 19 and 20-year-olds that you're talking about?
1: You know, the problem is like some of those players don't even fit into the prospect category because they're already really good right now. Right, so, right. Let's say, for example, you got a 17-year-old Tanner How, who's already a really good player. Now, ordinarily I think your 16 and 17s would be used to to get you older players, but if you trade a, trade some of the younger guys, they're the guys who already I think you can already count on. It's not like you're thinking, gee, when they're 19, they're going to be 30-goal scorers. Tanner Howell will probably score 40 goals at age 17. So you know, you're almost, you know, cutting off your nose to to trade one of your younger players because they're they're progressing. I think ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that also further reduces the amount of uh, uh, chips that they have to throw on the table in order to to improve themselves. And I mean, maybe Connor Bedard is just so good that he can elevate everybody as a 17 year old because I mean he is just absolutely scary and uh uh, you know maybe another year will make a difference with it with a lot of these young guys but you're really asking a lot of that young core and and perhaps too much
2: you mentioned the uh the goaltending situation for the Pats was kind of average maybe below average last year have they done anything to address that
1: yeah they 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 acquired a goalie a 20-year-old goalie uh cohen mckinnis from the everett silvertips formerly played for the saskatoon blades and uh and he was you know he played 50-50 with the younger goalie on Everett and and had, had a really good year but i think his age worked against him. his age i think works in his, to his in his favor in in, in, in Regina is it, in that they've got an experienced <laughs> goal who's shown that he can he can stop the puck if you heard a boom there it was my dog dropping her bone on the floor <laughs> and uh, so i think that will i think that'll be worth a few victories for them in and of itself just being, being able to have that not only a, a solid goaltender, but to know that you, you have somebody that you can trust back there, I think that might allow everybody else to play with a little bit more abandon and daring. And uh,
3: uh,
1: it, uh, I think, that was the number one missing ingredient from the Regina Pats last year. And, and if they have that, not only that, they have Matthew Keeper, who's at, who's at currently at the Calgary Flames uh, developmental camp. He's mm. he's eighteen. And, uh, and actually had a winning record as a when he was in goal for the Pats last year. So he wasn't necessarily the issue in goal. He just didn't play the whole year cause due to injuries. So maybe if they can rectify that and can have some confidence instilled by the goaltending, uh, maybe that will be worth a ton of victories in, in and of itself. And then Connor Bedard going from 16 to 17. If he's scoring 51 goals, 100 points in 62 games at age 16, What's he going to do at 17? Uh, part of the problem is they won't have him for the whole year because he yeah. world juniors.
2: That's true. Uh, now, I know the uh, Pats also drafted a uh, a giant in net from uh, Czechia, Michael Harabal, who's uh, listed at 6'6 and 200 pounds. But uh, according to Elite Prospects' website, he's got uh, NCAA intentions to go to UMass. Uh, that's in a couple of years, though, so... Maybe not a guy who's in the picture now, but if they can work on him, they get him eventually, but doesn't really help the situation for this coming season, does it? Do you know anything about him no, at this point?
1: Not a lot, Guy. I wonder if that was just a dice roll. I mean, it's always a bit of a crapshoot with the import picks anyway, Yeah. and the Pats haven't been especially proficient in, in that regard for, for uh, you know. Well, I mean, think they, they, that guy shouldn't say that. They got Stanislav's foes on defense. He's a third-round pick of the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and and he turned out quite well but they've also had some swings and misses with the with the import draft I, that's not just the Regina Pats I think that's anybody yep. who dives into that and, uh, and sometimes it's sometimes the it's, I think it's the other leagues sometimes are more enticing for the imports than than, than the Western League as well so it's, there's so many dynamics and factors at play there it's really a risky game to count on one of them let alone two to, to be difference makers because there's, there's just different rules at play
2: uh, Rob Vanstone from the Regina Leader Post is my guess. Uh, I guess if they, if the Pats maybe can't fill out the roster, we've talked about how difficult it, it could be for them to do that, uh, and they don't look like they're going to be a playoff team or at least a contending team, you know, one round in the playoffs might not be enough uh, to make it worth it. Would the best thing long-term for the Pats actually be to consider trading Connor Bedard? Yeah,
1: I mean, if, if it's just a team that looks like it's in utter disrepair around mid-season... Really, to what extent do you try to fix it uh for a half year and then you know, with really no guarantees at that point anyway. Uh you would and it would be one of the all time lotteries. I mean you can imagine the haul that they would get. Yeah. I mean you can that's a kingmaker type of deal. You know, we've seen you know, in Edmonton, for example, I mean in Cape Cade and Gooley they got him from Prince Albert last year and the Oil king got him from Prince Albert last year. He helped to win a league title. I mean, it's not like there aren't players like that being dealt. But Connor Bedard is a, I mean, that's like you know Laval trading Muriel Lemieux once upon <laughs> a time. Right. So um, you know, that's the kind of you know prospect we're we're talking about. So uh, you can only imagine the kind of haul that the Regina Pats could get. And when you combine that with what their demographic is looking like and with their younger core. Uh, that, that might fit just really nicely into the evolution of a hockey team beyond the 2022-23 20, season. The counter-argument to that is, is a lot of people are buying season tickets yes. here, expecting to see Connor Bedard. And how do you? And ticket prices have gone up, and, and and it's not been entirely well received by the by the paying public. So, what happens if people pay for 34 games with the assumption they're going to see Connor Bedard at least in 25 or 26 of them? 27, 28 maybe, and then, oh, he's gone. Uh, they just, what about those people who are signing up just to see that one final season of Connor Bedard? So there's the odd economic factor as well. There might be a, a recoil from people who really don't care what the Regina Pats are going to look like in 20, 24, 2025. They want to see Connor Bedard right now, and they paid 700, or 700 bucks to do that. That could be the uh, the uh, the drag against making the move that could set them up for, year after year after year beyond 2022-23.
2: Yeah, that was going to be my next question, is what the response from the fan base would be if they'd be in the streets with the uh, pitchforks and the torches. Uh, And uh, that would be understandable. There is another player that the the Pats hold the rights to who would be an interesting addition. That's Matthew Wood, who played in the BCHL this past season. He's 6'3", 185 pounds, had 85 points in 46 games in the BCHL. Now, he's also supposed to be going to the NCAA, but man, that would be a guy who would fit in just instantly uh, with the Pats this coming season. Have you heard anything about uh, a- any kind of uh, progress on maybe getting him to come to Regina instead of going to Connecticut in a year and a half?
1: Yeah, Wood also played with uh, with uh, Connor Bernard and Tanner Howard at the World under 18. That's right. Uh, I think the Pats were hoping that would be a form of enticement or inducement, but it, it doesn't appear to have turned out that way, guy. Um They were... Again, that would be another one of these seventeen-year-olds who plays like a nineteen-year-old. He's, yeah. I mean, he's just the second-round pick in the prospects draft, and if the Pats were to ever get him, it would be one an absolute steal for a second-rounder. But all signs point to him, you know, playing, continuing to play junior A with with designs on proceeding to college. Uh, you know, if you would think in Matthew Wood's situation, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing NCAA hockey and getting an education and, and I mean that's been a great feeder system as well. But man, would it be cool to play on Carter at line for a year? Uh, what does that uh, What does that do for your draft uh, draft capital?
2: For sure. <laughs> I, I mean he's draft eligible next year too, and I, I think everybody expects he's going to be a pretty high pick already as it is. But uh, yeah, you're right. Riding shotgun those two together would be unbelievable. Rob Vanstone from the Regina Leader Post is my guest. I, I wanted to ask about John Paddock, and I know he he uh, had some. St- significant health concerns this past season uh do you know what his situation is right now the last i heard is that he's recovering and looking forward to getting getting going again but uh have you heard anything that's different
1: no i, I had a chance to sit down with with john in june after the past uh, spring camp and it was then that he disclosed publicly publicly for the first time that he had covid and that he had he also has, he's had lymphoma for a while and the treatment for the lymphoma really uh left him vulnerable to COVID because of what happened to the immune system. He was so immunocompromised and it, it was really really bad for a while and uh, he was in hospital and, and uh, really struggling for his breath and, uh, but there he was at, uh, at spring camp uh, as happy as could be <laughs> circulating and watching games had a great chat with him. It seems to be getting better all the time which is great because John, John Paddock is one of the terrific guys in, in hockey and in sport
2: yeah, really well respected, and will he be still doing both jobs, the GM and head coach?
1: That is his intent. Uh, I don't think it's a, it's going to be a really long term thing. I think there's a really logical marriage between the. I mean, he had stepped down as the Pat's head coach mm-hmm. uh, after the after the Memorial Cup was here in 2018, and and uh, his, his intent was not to coach again. And uh, but when things just were going off the rails early last season, well, you got a two time WHL Coach of the Year and someone who's coach of the National Hockey League. If you're gonna get rid of your coach, there's no better replacement than the one that you have in house and knowing the timetable for Connor Bedard, I think I think they just figured, okay, let's have John do it right through the culmination of Connor Bedard's junior career to to get the most out of the team and out of Connor. And uh so I I think that is still the plan. You never know with uh with uh, with with someone's health situation. I mean John's facing some challenges and he seems to be staving off quite well but it's uh, you know I hope he can make it make it through and and uh, and have have a really good year because he, he certainly deserves that and a lot of people want to see that happen as well. Uh,
2: what's your sense between now and the start of maybe training camp or the start of the regular season? Is it uh, what are your expectations? Are, are we going to see a lot of activity uh, with the Pats, uh, or is it going to be what they've got right now going into the year and adjust from there? I would
1: tend to think it would be the latter. Uh, um, let's you know. They want to see what what some of so they think some of their younger players and I keep referencing them, but they think some of them can be fast tracked, uh, you know, into twenty thirty goal scorers already. And so I think they want to see what their core looks like and how fast some of these players can mature. And and it's a bit of a wild card too in some cases because a lot of these players lost a lot of developmental time due due to COVID. There was that ravaged the minor hockey system and, and shortened the Western Hockey League season in twenty twenty one twenty two. Or pardon me, twenty 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 one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there there may be some some surprises out there, and uh, so I think they want to see what this core does. They want to see what veterans shake free at the end of at the end of training camps. So I think NHL camps will will dictate some of what happens, and then I think once once they got a firm grasp on, on what happens, they'll they'll uh, take a look at it. I I go back to. Uh, the season after the memorial cup was here and the pats had jake lasician and nick henry two players that a lot of teams were going to want the pats didn't wait till the trade deadline to uh to to get to to make that deal they made that deal well before christmas ended up getting a draft pick that was used to choose Connor bedard first overall from mm-hmm. lethbridge so uh john paddock isn't necessarily he's made deadline deals but uh i think once he gets a feel for the taking the temperature he's not uh, I'm not sure he's going to wait, going to wait that long, especially the season you don't have kind of a full year full year anyway because the world juniors the season is sixty eight games whereas it used to be seventy two I think you need as many games as possible for your team to to kind of build some cohesion so if, if he sees an opportunity to strengthen the team early or if he sees that it it's just unsalvageable. Um, I wouldn't rule, rule out him making a move in December, even late November.
2: All right, we'll watch for that. It should be a fantastic year. Unfortunate for the U.S. division that they won't actually get to see uh, Connor Bedard uh, unless uh, they happen to play in the playoffs in the WHL Championship Series or something like that. But, you know, it's funny a guy plays three years in the WHL and never does the U.S. trip.
1: Yeah, it, it it that frustrates me to no end. You know, he, even looking at it from this case, I mean this end. I mean, Logan Stankoven of the Camus Blazers is one of the elite players in Major Junior hockey. Yeah, and he's not going to play in 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 Saskatchewan this year. You know, Riley Height of the Prince George Cougars is was there was the Prince George's leading scorer as a 16 year old last year, and he's not going to play in, in. He's from Saskatoon. He's not going to play in his hometown this season coming up. Yeah. I mean, that's. There's, and yet. The BC and teams and the, the teams from the states, they'll draft players from Saskatchewan and Manitoba, but the families of those players, the fans of those players, they won't get to see those players you know, more than once or twice during their junior careers. If, if you're going to take players from those markets, from those regions, I think you have to go through and at least play there every year. I, I think that's just, that should be so fundamental.
2: I hear you. I don't disagree. I think uh, the conferences should at least, uh, you should be playing every team. Uh, home and away in, in a season. It's pretty expensive, and it's not my money that uh, <laughs> I'm speaking for the owners, and they might li- like that, but uh, yeah, I think it would be better for the fans to see every team, but maybe you just can't do it.
1: Yeah, they have more money than we do, too, so <laughs> uh, they can afford it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rob, this is great. I appreciate catching up with you again. I hope you don't mind if I call you during the year.
1: Anytime. It's it's always great to chat. I appreciate the uh, privilege to speak with you Gabe.
2: It's Rob Vanstone from the Regina Leader Post, and quite a conundrum uh, for the Regina Pats, in my opinion, at least, because you look—they're currently not a playoff team, but they've got the best player in his age group, arguably, as Rob said, the best teenage player on the planet. Can you afford to uh, go this year and either not go for it, or can you imagine the haul that the Pats would get if they were to uh, just try to uh, trade? Conor Bedard's rights inside the WHL to a team that is a contender. Maybe it's the Kamloops Blazers or something like that as hosts of the Memorial Cup. You know, right now, I think most people would argue that Winnipeg and Moose Jar are the two teams to beat in the Eastern Conference. I'm here to tell you, I I think uh, Saskatoon will still be in the mix. I also like the Red Deer Rebels. And depending on who comes back for the Oil Kings, although I think this is a season where some of those returning Oil King players will be pretty valuable on the trade market. Uh, so, no, I do not expect Edmonton will be going for it again this year. But the Pats have a few teams to uh, overcome just in their own division, uh, let alone the Eastern Conference, and then to uh, capture a WHL championship. So, I don't know. You tell me, Pats fans. It'd be a lot more fun having Bedard on your roster, but would it be better long-term for the organization to trade him? You tell me, at TPS underscore Guy is where you can get me on Twitter. That's going to wrap up this week's episode, just the three guests that you heard from. Next week on the show, already know I will have a 2023 draft spotlight segment. Usually wait until the new season for those, but with the Holinka Gretzky Cup coming up, I was able to secure an interview with a uh, a pretty high-profile player for the 2023 draft. So we'll have that. We'll also maybe talk to uh, somebody from Hockey Canada or somebody from USA Hockey or something like that uh, leading up to the Holenka-Gretzky Cup as well. Uh, so we might do that next week. So lots to get to still. Between now and then, well, you won't be able to get out and watch some junior hockey, but enjoy some summer. And uh, while you're on the beach or driving around town, uh, throw on an episode of the Pipeline Show. I'll be with you next week right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Gee Flaming. See ya!